Hey everybody, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Four String Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Brady, with my co-host Mitch and Skyler. Gentlemen, outside of some very devastating political news, how are you doing today? Okay, I guess the the newest episode of the boys really let me down. That was overhyped. Uh I mean, I just got back from a protest, so I'm I'm fired up. My voice is a little, my, my adrenaline's popping. My voice is a little gone, but other than that, this, you got a husky voice, Skylar, for this podcast. Say, tell me, tell me something. Give me, give me something sexy. Come on, husky voice. Come on. Reproductive rights. Oh, damn. Oh. Welcome to the hot, steamy episode of the Four String Sports <laughs> Podcast. Um, so today we are continuing our team previews. We're talking about everybody here's favorite team, the Chicago Bears. Um, and the absolute unmitigated disaster uh, that last season was. We're going to be talking about Justin Fields' uh, first year, not even a full season, but first year as a starter with the Bears. Uh, We talked about him pretty extensively as the season went on last year, Uh, but now we're going to be coming back to those rookie quarterbacks and how how bad they struggled. We're going to be talking about what Chicago did to uh, help Justin Fields, newsflash, it's not a lot, um, and uh, who they lost and gained through free agency, who they drafted, and what we predict the Chicago Bears are going to be next year. Now, this is not a Nick Wright podcast, so hopefully none of us are predicting the Bears to go to the playoffs next year, um, let alone be, I think he had them at 11-6 and six on his official prediction for the season, uh, but bald men can't call sports anyway. So, um, we are going to start off with the, uh, season in review bears started out, uh, with a tough loss to the Rams before beating the Cincinnati Bengals in week two beside, uh, behind a huge performance out of Khalil Mack. Uh, they followed up with a tough loss to the Browns before winning back-to-back games against the Lions and the Raiders. They then proceeded to lose five straight, um, including, uh, games to the Packers, Buccaneers, 49ers, Steelers, and Ravens coming out of a bye week. They beat the Lions uh, to sweep that series, season series against them before they dropped another three straight games against the Cardinals, Packers, and Vikings. They closed the season out winning two out of three with wins against the Seahawks and Giants and a loss against the Vikings. So they swept the Lions um, during the season. They got swept by the Packers and the Vikings. Uh, Justin Fields started in 10 games, played in 12, finished with seven touchdowns, 10 interceptions on 1,800 yards and a 59% completion rating. He had replaced Andy Dalton pretty early in the season, who had started uh, six games, finished eight touchdowns, nine interceptions, 63% completion rating, 1,500 yards. David Montgomery had another solid season with over 1,000 total yards. Um, uh, But offensive line struggles, uh, wide receiver struggles really doomed that offense. And then defensively, just injuries. Guys couldn't stay healthy. You had great production out of Cleo Mack over the season. We're going to be talking about what happened to him. Uh, but Akeem Hicks couldn't stay healthy. Um, you have some really solid second-year growth out of uh, – sorry, what is the corner, uh, the name Jaylen of the corner? Jalen Johnson. Jalen Johnson, um, as well as your um, second-year wide receiver. Um, Darnell Mooney. Darnell Mooney. Jeez, sorry, my, uh, my stuff is frozen. Um, Darnell Mooney. Um, so things to, things to really be positive about with the Chicago Bears in 2021, but all in all, a pretty negative season finishing – six and 11. So Mitch, we'll start off with you season in review. What were your thoughts on the 2021 Chicago bears? Uh, I think it was your typical Matt Nagy uh, football team. Um, the offense was really a letdown. Um, the offensive line couldn't block for shit. Uh, they gave up 58 sacks on the season. Um, I, I do like Justin Fields. I think he can be the guy for them. Uh, even though there were some rough parts to his game. Uh, for example, his completion percentage was under 60%, which isn't great. And obviously he had more interceptions over uh, touchdowns, but I think the potential is there and he can be the guy if they decide to put things around him. Um, but it, like you said before, it was nice to, uh, that Darnell Moody kind of came out as the number one guy when in a year that Allen Robinson really struggled and wasn't himself it's nice to see that he can be that uh, number one guy. Um, so at least Justin Fields will have that. And uh, um, I think the defense is kind of a little lackluster than kind of what we're used to seeing. Um, obviously some of that's just injury, but I think it's just uh, just like overall like personnel 
Um, like Eddie Jackson has taken a step back and he, I don't know, he hasn't been the same since like he had Amos as his like uh, backfield mate. And I feel like they really haven't found a replacement for him. And the defense as a whole has kind of struggled with that. Um, yeah, just typical Matt Nagy team. Didn't surprise me at all. Um, I mean, for this team, it's kind of like there was a lot of. I, I think from the beginning, I kind of knew that it wasn't going to go in the right direction when they didn't start Justin Fields. Um, now, again, when he did start, we saw that there was reasons why you shouldn't start him. Like we we got that, but even when he didn't start, the offense was so much more. Even when he did start, and they were bad. Like they lost those games. Like I'm thinking, like the Cleveland game. I'm thinking, like, um, like, like, like those kinds of games. Even like Chicago was such a more dynamic offense, and having Justin Fields' ability to actually move in the pocket and do those kinds of things, and use his feet, um, just made him a better team in general. Like we saw in the preseason, like how he did well. Again, that that quote that the like was these like it was actually pretty slow came back and hit him in the ass. Um, but like we saw like the Pittsburgh game against one of the best defenses in the league. We saw Justin Fields play him have probably his best game of the season. Um, he continued to get better throughout this, throughout the season. So like, yeah, you can look at his statistics. It's not the best statistics. Um, but when you look at like his growth through the season, like you can see that by the end, he was probably the second best rookie quarterback um, because he was better than I, I would have at, at the end of the season, I would have taken him over Trevor Lawrence and I would have taken him over uh, Zach Wilson um, at that point. Um, <clears throat> again, I'm assuming also Trey Lance. Oh yeah, also Trey Lance, but I think that goes without saying because he didn't start. He didn't. He started like one, two games. Um, uh, the only quarterback that had a better, like, it looked better within the system was Mac Jones. Um, and again, it was just kind of a thing where it's like all of these quarterbacks, these rookie quarterbacks, except for Mac Jones, started to look better towards when, like, as the game started to slow down for them, they got more underneath their feet. So like I and like you, you, you mentioned Brady, like Darnell Mooney, Jalen Johnson, some of these guys, these second year guys continued to grow. That the first, like I remember loving their draft from last year. A lot of those guys continued to grow, um, but it was it was very apparent apparent that that. Uh, Nagy and Pace were just going to get, they, like they, they needed to go. Um, I'm still, I was still a strong believer in that Pace needed to go before Nagy. Um, but I'm not going to complain that they're both gone. Um, Cause they brought too much heart heartache to my household over the years. Um, and uh, I just kind of, I, I, I like the direction that they're going. I like, this is a good year for them. It's a pretty, I'd say it's, it's a pretty open um nfc north um i think that they can cause some damage but i don't know if but I, but i i i still wonder about the Eberflus hiring i wonder about um the the gm hiring they got but like all of like again because it's because as a nebraska fan i have to sit there and be like you made a lot of the right moves but how do they pan out like can you actually do some good things with it um so we'll see how that goes uh but i i this season was just kind of forgettable sadly um and actually very painstaking because there was i think of the like green bay game that second green bay game with justin field starting where great chicago actually played really well and then in the second half it kind of fell apart so like there, there is flashes of promise there are kinds of things where you can see okay with justin fields out there you're like this is a team that could win but they need to be disciplined because they should have won that steelers game if it wasn't for that stupid fucking call um but but we'll, we'll see yeah. Um, listen, there's not many good things to talk about with the Chicago Bears last year, right? Like there were there were flashes in the pan. There were moments, but here's sort of the issue with judging the NFL is that everybody who's out on the field deserves to be out on the field. I, I cannot name you outside of Brandon Bostic a single NFL player who did not deserve to be out there on the field playing. Kevin. Um, no, because like Kevin King still had moments, right? Like Kevin King is still like he Kevin King actually had a really solid season last year, right? So there, like no matter what, anybody who is playing in the NFL has NFL level talent. So it's hard for me to sit there and look at, at the Chicago Bears and and 
really see anything other than just a couple of flashes in the pan. You know, they had a couple of good games like that. That second game against Green Bay, you, they were up 27 to 21 at halftime. They had a 24 point second quarter. They put up three points the rest of the game. Awful, awful. And everything was working. They had a special teams touchdown day. The defense was getting turnovers. They had uh, uh, Justin Fields made a couple of great plays. Darnell Mooney was open a lot, completely fell apart. They won. They, they pretty much won the games they were supposed to win last year, right? You swept Chicago or you swept Detroit. Um, you beat Cincinnati early in the season when Cincinnati was kind of a struggling team. Um, and so, hey, props to you. They ended up going to the Super Bowl. That counts for you. But outside of those wins, I mean, the Raiders win. That's not a great win. Sure, the Raiders made the playoffs, but technically speaking, so did the Steelers. Um, your win against the Seahawks, your win against the Giants, both of those teams were, were absolute ass. So there's not. There's not many things when it comes to their, their schedule as it breaks down that I, re- I really liked. You drafted Tevin Jenkins. You drafted, I think, Larry Odom was the other guy or uh, Barry Odom, something like that, um, to help your offensive line, and neither of them really saw any time on the field last year. You gave up nine sacks in Justin Fields' first start against the Cleveland Browns, four and a half sacks to Miles Garrett alone, right? Mitch hit it on the head. It's a team sacked 58 times. You had three different quarterbacks start for you. You, Allen Robinson didn't have a good year because simply speaking, you just never threw Allen Robinson the ball. They never. Didn't he also only play like 25 of the snap, 25% of the snaps? Uh, Allen Robinson? Yeah. Uh, give me one moment. 55. Yeah, sorry. he only played in 12 games this year, so he was hurt. Sure. But, but even, even two thirds of the games that he's played in, Allen Robinson should have had a lot more uh, production. He had uh, he was targeted 66 times over 12 games. That comes out to what five targets per game. That's he's your number one wide receiver. Like even if Darnell Mooney really stepped up and he absolutely did, he's your number one wide receiver. Uh, the terrible signing of Jimmy Graham continues to haunt them. They paid him how much money? And he had 14 catches on the entire year. Granted, he had three touchdowns, which was second most on the team, but 14 catches through the entire year. Awful. Um, defensively. Khalil Mack actually had a fantastic season. Um, the defense was better as we all kind of knew that they were going to be when Akeem Hicks was on the field, but that secondary has issues. They have great young talent, guys like Roquan Smith. Roquan Smith is one of the best linebackers the Bears have had in a while, and I'm very excited to see how he plays. And he also rebounded from a, a sophomore slump. Absolutely, he did. Absolutely. Um, but you have too many holes on the defensive like too many holes on the defensive line that was not addressed. That offensive line was held together by glue and hope. Like, it, there's just not much positive to say about it. Matt Nagy didn't look like he knew what he was doing at all in half of the games. The amount of times I would tune into a Bears game and I'd get some different report that Matt Nagy has either retaken up the play calling or given up the play calling is ridiculous. They've gone, they went through, I believe, five offensive line coaches during the Matt Nagy era. Um, they had their first third round draft pick in this draft since 2019, right? You gave up it. Uh, you gave up each of the last two times you drafted a quarterback. You've given up at least a first round pick to do it in the following draft. Like there's nothing productive or promising to talk about with the 2021 Chicago bears outside of a couple of brief little flashes in the pan. David Montgomery, I thought, had another really solid season. They just never they never committed to getting him the ball. Um, Justin Fields had these moments where he really looked like he could be a solid uh, NFL-caliber quarterback, but he also made a lot of really silly, stupid mistakes. He had terrible pocket presence uh, through most of the, the season, honestly. Um, he relies on his legs way too much. He gets into that classic issue that mobile quarterbacks, especially young mobile quarterbacks, get into which is they trust their legs a lot more than they trust their arm or their wide receivers. And it just, it, sometimes it's wonderful and it works out amazing for you. And sometimes it completely bites you in the ass and you get sacked nine times in a game because of it. Um, it's, it's just hard to, to really see a ton of positives with the Chicago bears, but I am positive that they had an absolutely terrible free agency. So Mitch, um, we'll start off with you. But looking at who they lost, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. You trade Khalil Mack. Allen Robinson leaves uh, for the Rams. Uh, Akeem Hicks goes to the Buccaneers. Uh, both of your start, two guys who started quarterback for you last year, Andy Dalton and Nick Foles, are gone. 
Um, you lose your punter who's been on the team for how long in uh, Pat O'Donnell. You lose your right guard who started 100% of snaps for you last year. You lose uh, a safety. You lose Marquise Godwin, who is your number three wide receiver. You lose uh, Demir Bird, who actually had a fantastic season for them, had a special team touchdown against Green Bay in that second matchup. Like, that's just to name a few. And if you look at who they signed, yeah, there's a couple of guys who stand out. But uh, it's not my part of the segment here. I'm getting carried away. Mitch, what are your thoughts on the Chicago Bears free agent gains and losses? Yeah, I mean, there was a few losses that I kind of understand, like, Akeem Hicks, you know, he's towards the end of his career. He can't really stay healthy, so I get that. And Khalil Mack, you know, he's starting to get up there, and you're paying him a lot of money, and you're starting to rebuild. So I understand why you had to let him go. But there's, like, a couple, like, head-scratching moves. Like, I don't understand why they let them go. Like, you said James Daniels. I think he was one of their better offensive linemen, but that's not saying much. But he's still young. Um, Let's see what he can do with this new regime. He's still one of your better guys. So I don't understand why you let him walk. For nothing and then Blyle Nichols who I thought it was toward down the stretch they're probably their best defensive lineman and it's been an area of need outside of the Keem Hicks for a while now and I don't understand why you just let him go too so I didn't understand that and then for the gains uh, they signed a lot of people just because they need bodies so it's hard to find like some contributors but I did find two that I think can give them solid production uh, to start off with uh, Byron Pringle from the Chiefs, um, kind of the guy who couldn't get through the depth out there. But I think with here where it's basically Darnell Mooney and whoever else wants to catch the ball, um, I he had pretty good production with his limited role in Kansas City, 42 catches, 568 yards, and five touchdowns. And he caught 70% of his passes, which they desperately need in Chicago. And if you would have put his stats against uh, – the wide receivers in Chicago last year, he would have had the third most yards, the most touchdowns and the most catches on the bears last year. So even a limited like guy like that would have looked like a stud with these bears to show how bad the wide receiver room is. And then uh, Tavon Young from the Ravens, I think he could be a really solid nickel guy for them last year. He put up 35 tackles a pick and three pass breakups and to pair him with Jalen Johnson and some of the draft picks, I think that could really solidify their uh, secondary and could be their strongest position on this defense. Um, for free agency, like, I mean, three of like your best players are gone. Um, like Brady had said, it's really funny that O'Hare national, like at O'Hare airport, they have like every single person that is on their promo is gone. Trubisky, who hasn't been on the team in three seasons, Khalil Mack, who just got traded, and Tariq Cohen, who just tore his ACL as a free agent. Like, none of them are on the fucking team anymore, and they're still there in O'Hare Airport. And then you also have uh, Akeem Hicks um, and Allen Robinson just left as well. Um, So, like, part of it I did understand. Allen Robinson, like, he didn't want to be there. Like, just get rid of him, get what you could for it. Um, and not even, and you couldn't even do that. Um, Akeem Hicks was always injured. Made sense. Khalil Mack was having an injury bug. He was getting old. His cap was going to get too much. Get rid of him. It's fine. Tariq Cohen, always injured. Makes sense. Like there, like a lot of these high value players that are, were some of their best players. I understood because it was either they were injured, they were getting old or they were going to cost too much. And it's honestly something smart to do. Uh, they turned Khalil Mack into what a second round pick. Um, third round pick you got something for it um and again because i have to again like my philosophy is that every time that i get into uh it's a new it's a new uh front office it's a new coach it's a new system i have to think at it of like they're making the right moves in terms of like letting old older player goes older players go creating more cap space because that was something that they had a problem with. They had cap, they they had cap space issues and they had no draft picks. So like you're gonna you're gonna bite a bullet there. Um, this was probably one of the not great situations for a head coach and for a um, a GM to end up the season. Um, I I would say it was probably close to the Atlanta Falcons situation, um, except for that you actually had probably a capable capable starting quarterback waiting for you. Um, in terms of additions, does I that mean like... that you think Justin Fields is a better quarterback than Matt Ryan is? Is that what you just insinuated by saying that? 
Um, no. So it's a better sorry. It's a better situation at quarterback. More as, as in, in like financially, and that he's younger. Not that okay. Got yeah. you. Got yeah. you. I was Where like, I like, was like, you've like, had some hot takes, bud, but I'm ready to fight you on that one. <laughs> like, like because again, we don't know what Justin Fields. Yes ceiling is going to look like yeah. like we don't know what best we, we 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 have seen we know for a fact matt ryan is not going back to mvp form matt ryan but at matt his ryan, core the difference is 40 million dollars that you're paying the two you know yeah yeah um and there's no dead like and yeah. like you have you have him for at least another four years or at least another three and you can get a contract if you like yeah um so that also helps um but that was like kind of one of the only benefits um, you had. It, like there, like the other part is that if you were a defensive uh, coach, you had a lot of very young, very talented players that you could use, um, like Roquan Smith, Jalen Johnson, a bunch of those other people. Um, so I I like what you did. I like that they brought in Brian Pringle. I like that they brought in Eki Brown. I like like a lot of the wide receivers that they brought in were wide receivers that were like they have something to prove, and they have the opportunity to prove it. I still think that. Amon Ra is the better St. Brown player. I um, mean, he's been in the league for uh, for a year. I would consistently uh, critique the Packers for um, because EQ couldn't catch, like he couldn't hold on to the ball. Um, but you know, like this is like for him and Pringle and some of these other guys, it's their chance to become a better option. It's it's that. But like when that's your best free agency pickup. Um, that's a bad free agency. I agree with Brady. It's a bad free agency. You lost a lot of really good players. Um, you didn't gain really any great players. I went through and was looking at their offensive line additions to try to find some redeeming value. And I think the best one was the guard they got from the Packers. And even then it wasn't that great. Um, so like the rest of them were just kind of bench players. Um, one guy that was like drafted in 2014 and hasn't played a fucking snap. Um, so like, well, you got some depth, but other than that, there's like you didn't shore up your offensive line, you didn't really shore up your defensive line. Um, you got some players in there. Um, you did get some more playmakers at tight end and at wide receiver. You got O'Shaughnessy from the Jaguars, who again is a capable tight end, but not like a good tight end. Um, so like there's there there's there's you're building a roster, but like there's no uh, there's nothing to sense that there's going to be improvement from last year, just in terms of their free agency. Um, current Bears head coach is Arthur Smith, correct? Or no, who is it? Bears. 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 Bears? Matt, Eberflus. Matt, Eberflus. Matt Eberflus. Who was the defensive coordinator. Indy defensive coordinator. Great. Mm-hmm. And what is one of the staples of Chicago Bears football? Defense. Right? Defense. Defense. And what have we talked about so many times about how to – where to start building a good defense. You start in the fucking trenches, right? Chicago has no trenches on the defensive line right now. They have none. It's it's pitiful what Chicago is going to field on the defensive line next year. And and this is the thing, this is the huge part of this offseason. And I'm gonna talk about it as well when we get to the draft, where I was so excited for Ryan Poles as a GM. But not addressing your defensive line really at all is infuriating to me. It's it, it, I, it's infuriating. You're, Skyler absolutely hit it on the head. This year, the NFC North is going to be the most competitive it's been since Mike McCarthy got fired, right? And you are go. You're 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 expecting uh, this defensive line. And I'm trying to get their depth chart pulled up here. Just give me one moment. Um, this defensive line to hold out against the uh, a fully healthy Dalvin Cook and then AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones and whoever it is that um, that the Detroit Lions field. But your defensive line: Alkadine Muhammad, Karis uh, Tonga, Justin Jones, Robert Quinn. Robert Quinn's the best player on there, but he can't. He, I don't think he can run stop for shit. Um, you don't have a shit ton of production when it comes to the pass rush. You don't have for being a, a defensive coordinator who's coming from the uh, Colts. I actually I don't love their linebacker room outside of Roquan Smith. Um, 
secondary we'll talk about with their with their draft. But I get it, man. Akeem Hicks was old. Khalil Mack, you know, his contract was up. But the Chicago Bears currently have $23.5 million in cap space. And there are tons of available free agents who can help shore up that defensive line. And they're not willing, they're not willing to really put anything in on there. What I liked about what Chicago did, I'll push back on what Skyler said. I actually love the Lucas Patrick sign. You get him, uh, a guy who played a, a ton of snaps across the Green Bay offensive line last year because of the injuries to David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins and uh, Josh Myers. Um, 29 years old, but he doesn't, he hasn't started a ton. He doesn't have the offensive line body of somebody who came in the league at 21 and started eight years at, at a position. He can go inside. He can go outside. I think he can play any of the five offensive line positions. Is he better than James Daniels? No, not, not even close. The guy, it's not even close. There's a reason he's half the price that James Daniels was. Is he a suitable fix who can sit and plug in the gaps on your offensive line that you desperate, that you've shown you have had such a hard time getting through in these last four or five seasons now? Absolutely. He can do that. But can I, clarify something sure, just real quick like my, my saying was that dan patrick who was again a backup at green bay and lucas yes did patrick. everything lucas patrick sorry lucas patrick dan patrick's the sports <laughs> I would love to see dan patrick be on that yeah okay but, dan but Patrick's like, a packer fan and would never play for the chicago okay. bears thank you but like but like what i'm saying is that lucas patrick it, what i was saying is that like i plugged in all of these deep these yes. offensive linemen and the best one they got was Lucas Patrick. But you followed it up with, and I still don't think he's very good. So that's what well, I was... Okay, true. But like like what I'm saying is like we're talking about we're talking about fixing this offensive line. And yes, Lucas Patrick, but he's a 29-year-old that like, and we need long-term. Sure. No, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But we, if you look at this, if you look at who the Bears lost on the offensive line, let's flip around to the other trenches. James Daniels started 100% of snaps for you last year. Sam Mustafer, your center, started 100% of snaps for you. You had a 40-year-old at left tackle in Jason Peters, and I understand <laughs> Excuse me, I understand why they wouldn't have brought it back, but he started 76% of your snaps. You're th- you had a piecemeal offensive line, and you've now lost your three most consistent offensive line starters from last year. Even if you've upgraded at the position, the fact that you've lost 100% of snaps with no guarantee to replace anywhere near 100% of snaps – is a massive red flag to any organization. And, and that's, it's very difficult for me to, to put a positive spin on what Ryan Poles is doing. I like the Lucas Patrick signing. I like the Byron Pringle signing. I like the Equinamia St. Brown signing. I like the Tajay Sharp signing. I like the fact that they gutted that wide receiver room and are bringing in very low, like low price, high ceiling type players. Guys, they're not going to get you 50 catches on the year, but if each of them gets you 30 catches, 300 yards and a touchdown, your offense is already 10 times better than it was last season. If they can just be additional pieces who can supplement your offense and all of those guys are with the exception of Equinemia St. Brown are rather like faster built players. EQ is a little bit more of a lanky guy. Um, But I like, I like that they, they did that. It's just, you, after the Khalil Mack trade, you opened up so much cap space. You have $23.5 million, and you didn't put yourself in the market for anything. And and that's that's what's so infuriating to me about the way that the Chicago Bears well, address their next year. Sure. Like that's that's great. But if but by looking yeah. at it for but by looking at it for next year, what what the way you've effectively said is I'm gonna look at this for next year and I'm gonna hope to God. My franchise quarterback doesn't get sacked 58 times again this year. And I'm not going to do anything proactive about addressing that. I just really hope he doesn't get sacked 58 times this year. Oh, no, I totally agree with you. But I'm just saying that their thinking is, uh, you know, this season is lost. We're going to basically sign a bunch of bodies, not address real needs as we've seen in their free agency. And we're going to get a better, uh, like a top 10 draft pick. And uh, when we have the most cap uh, for the next two years, I think, uh, just because of all the pieces that they cut, then we're gonna, that's where we're going to really start. But this year is just uh, a tanking year, basically. Well, and, and the other thing that can be said, too, is that, like, it could be a very much uh, a Cincinnati Bengals approach to it, which is, like, we saw 
Like we all saw the the what happened to Joe Burrow his rookie year, and and a horrible offensive line. Uh, they moved to the second year, and again, still bad offensive line. Slight improvement from the year before. Slight, very barely slight. Still the reason they lost the Super Bowl, but it became less of a liability. And so by signing just random players and drafting and like like hoping that Jonah Williams would come back and play healthy and getting guys that were discarded that we didn't think that like the Riley Reaps and those guys that were like, uh, maybe this is a good suitable. Because I, I remember specifically talking in the Cincinnati episode, which was at seven or yeah, no, yeah. five. Is that five that we talked about Cincinnati? So the fact that we're not talking about Cincinnati right now just shows that they're, they did something right. Um, but like, I remember talking about them and being like, they don't need a good offensive line. They needed an average offensive line. I still don't think that the bears are at an average, average offensive no. line from free agency, like even close, but they could be this kind of idea of that. You're hoping that these guys that you drafted last year, or that these guys that you're bringing in from all these other places, because again, Ryan pole is an off was a former offensive lineman. So he might again, bring in some guys that he sees just a little bit more promise but again we don't know we have no idea what the, what what their strategy moving forward it could be what Mitch is saying and they're they're trying to tank so that they can get a top 10 pick when everybody's trying to go after a fucking quarterback they get the best tackle off the board you know or they're, and, or, and, or they're trying to wait for a free agent to that's going to drop next year that they can sign with all of the cap space that they have you're right and I, and I completely I completely understand and and that is a viewpoint that is so dominant in football and it makes no sense to me because you, you want to know you, <laughs> you want to know the difference between what the Bears are doing, what the Cincinnati Bengals are doing, is that at least the Cincinnati Bengals made it look like they were trying, right? Like at least the Cincinnati Bengals tried to be a football team. They got Joe Burrow weapons. They built a system that was comfortable for him. They invested in the areas uh, that they needed to invest in. They relied on their draft picks, right? They didn't have – to trade a bunch of first round draft picks to get guys who are no longer on roster. Chicago Bears aren't doing any of that. Like I get waiting until you have, I think right now they're estimated at like $80 million in cap space next season. Like it's, it's an insane number and it's a number that can really allow you to do great things. Don't get me wrong. Right. But here's what you're seeding in that situation. First off, you are hoping that your franchise quarterback, who you have on roster for four more years for sure, before he gets really fucking expensive, right? You're hoping that by losing one season, you got three to win a chip, okay? What happens if he gets hurt in this season? What happens? What happens nope. if he what happens if he tears his ACL the way that Joe okay. Burrow did? But he does it in week 15 because he's been sacked 55 fucking times throughout the season. Okay, and brain. then because he's been hurt so late in year two, oh, year three is lost. And now I've got two years, but in year three, I had to go, I had all of this cap space I had to burn through. So I had to go and sign a bunch of contracts that are backloaded because that's what players sign. You see how this vicious cycle is happening and all Brady, they needed Brady, to do I to do it was like address. A couple of key places. No, I agree, but I remember having the same specific argument last year when it came to the Bengals. Okay, but then who no, 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 on no, 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 no. earth is the Jamar Chase in this situation? Who is the no, CJ Zoma? No, who's, you're fucking no. Who's the no, Brady, I, Who's no, Brady, who's any I, of them in this situation? Brady, I fucking no. I get what you're. I get what you're saying. I get what you're fucking saying, okay? But like what I what, what I am pointing out, what I am pointing out here is that a lot of your problems with teams like the Cincinnati Bengals like your te- your problems with them last year I have no idea what you're going to talk about this year they could be actually glowing now they have too much depth at offensive line <laughs> yeah, right? um, but like 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 I don't know I don't know what like but specifically your problem with them last year yeah. is that you go is I because I remember this specific argument because it was my biggest problem with your argument Mm-hmm. Was you're like they did not for a team that lost their f- future franchise quarterback to a torn ACL. They did not invest nearly enough on their offensive line. You're correct. And they a- and you went. What's going to happen is that Joe Burrow's going to get hurt again, and then you're going to get nowhere near a Super Bowl. And then the, like this entire thing, you should have drafted uh, Penay Sewell because Jamar Chase isn't going to get you to a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And again, like. And I remember arguing with you, you need to get back to average. Like you need to get back to average. And you're like, Skyler, that's not going to do it. And again, I'm not saying that Chicago is getting back to the average. Nowhere close. 
but like what I, what I what I do want to say is that a lot of your things are measured on what ifs, worst case scenario. And I understand that in your mind and how to build a team and how to run a team and what you would do in a front office situation is you are so fo- focused on worst case scenario. But if but in in right now Chicago has nothing to lose this season. They have absolutely nothing to lose this season. And so waiting again until you and again you can say yes, you can lose, you can have uh, the the uh, you can have um, Justin Fields have a an injury ending career, but the likelihood of that happening is the same likelihood of it happening to thirty one other quarterbacks in the league. Again, so like so like those kinds of things. These are things that you in your mind you feel you find, but like what we're talking about is like Chicago is wide open, and if they were more ambitious and they use their cap money better, then yes, you could probably have a shot of making the playoffs this year. But again, that relies on Justin Fields' development. That relies on the fact of development from guys like Brian Ping- Pringle, Equinomia St. Brown, uh, D- uh, Darnell Mooney, these wide receivers stepping up and, the, and doing something that we have not seen them do. Uh, Brian Pringle hasn't had really the opportunity, but EQ couldn't do it. He had the opportunity to be, to be the second, to be uh, the second option uh-huh. at, at Green Bay and just and literally let it drop through his hands. Like, like those are things I will, but I will agree with everything you're saying about this offensive line being a liability, but I disagree with you, like, like about not about trying to be more focused on this, because I I think that a lot of your critiques of it are very much focused more on major what ifs that can be solved in a year, but you just have to be patient and wait a year. Um. No, I don't think that this is can be solved in a year or have to be patient for a year because in the NFL, every first off, every single season is differently, right? It's different. Nobody could have guessed that the Super Bowl last year would have been Rams versus Bengals. No, you wouldn't have guessed that the Bengals would have been in the Super Bowl. We I guess they were I guess that they were gonna go ten and seven and make the playoffs. Make the playoffs. That is not the Super Bowl. It was more All than right? you had. That's fine, but that's not that's not what the, the, the argument is there, is that nobody nobody guessed that that's what the Super Bowl would be, right? I would understand if listen, the the way that me sitting there and saying a lot of these what ifs are are you know worst case scenario situations, I think is is pretty spot on. Because when you're, when you are looking at playing an entire season so that you can get to the next season, you are hoping, praying to avoid the worst case scenario, right? You are doing everything you can to win as few games as possible while also trying to continue the development, keep your players happy. While having a first-year coach and a first-year GM, an unhappy fan base, a division that's wide open for you, um, when you have all when you have all of these things happen and you go, we're going to take a year. You're hoping for worst-case scenario to not happen, so you need to prepare for it not to happen. And the Chicago Bears did not prepare for that not to happen because, sure. It is just as likely that Justin Fields go out and tears his ACL as it is Aaron Rodgers, Justin or Josh Allen, Pat Mahomes. It's as likely as anybody, right? It's a pure luck. That's all it is. At any given down, anything can happen, right? Justin Fields already missed time in his first season. Justin Fields, at all your quarterbacks were sacked 58 times no, throughout I'm, the year. No, I'm aware. No, I am very, very aware of how many times, like, again, of any, of everyone. I witnessed and or heard every Chicago Bear game this season. I'm very, very apparent of how sucky this offensive line was, how many times they did. But Justin Fields, again, another reason that they didn't play Justin Fields is because they just didn't play it. So, yes, he missed time. He did have an injury at one point. He had a bad ankle injury that I think he missed two games on. No, I'm Uh, aware. And and it affected him for a huge part of the season. No, I'm, I'm, I'm fucking like, I am fucking aware of that. Well, like what I am saying is that Justin Fields, when you're looking at it too, is that Joe Burrow's injury had like that sack was not an offensive line sack. That was him out of the pocket when he got sacked. And that was that like 
the PFF breaks it down and they go sacks that the offensive line is responsible. You're absolutely correct. Sack. And Russ, and that and was Russ, uh, Robert Griffin the third injury was was an uh, was a total freak fumble play. Yeah, again, right? So like, like Aaron Rodgers when he broke his collarbone happened. He was rolling out of the pocket. Exactly. Right? We can do all these things, but hey, what's the best way to make sure that your quarterback doesn't have to leave the pocket? Having a competent offensive line, not running a play auction uh, play having action a system, competent. Offensive not line. running a play action. No, system. because if you have a play action system, you can still block and not give anything up. Your quarterback can still stay in the pocket on a play action. Brady, I like, love you. Like, I absolutely love you. But the whole Shanahan offensive system, the whole uh, uh, fucking what's your guys's head coach name? Lafleur. Lafleur offensive system is based off of the PA bootleg. It is. It is based off of. A, I'm gonna fake it. Let me just ask a back. simple football question: Can you or can you not have a play action offense in which your quarterback does not leave the pocket? Yes, but rarely. No, not really. Any t- any time a quarterback who is under center does not fakes a handoff and then steps back, that is a play great, action. Great. I want. That's all. I want like, next, like any I want time, next time in a bunch I want, set. Sure. I look, want you next time that. that any Shanahan system offense is playing Green Bay, uh, San Francisco, uh, fucking Tennessee. Uh, uh, what's the guy at uh, Art uh, Falcons, um, Rams. Uh, the Rams, any of them. You're watching any of them play. Count how many times that motherfucker does a bootleg. <laughs> it's at least, it's at least 10 times a game. That's fine. But you, but the thing, what I'm saying is that if you have a functional offensive line, you can run a play-action system where your quarterback doesn't leave the pocket. Like, that's, right? You can have plays that are designed to do that. There's plays designed to do everything. But you can run a play-action system and never give up an inch on the offensive line, right? Even in the the situation where if a quarterback rolls out, it's a play-action boot, like if everybody is blocked, then Eric Hendricks doesn't come over and break out Aaron Rodgers' collarbone. Like, that. so that had... Wasn't an offensive line sack, right? But you can do things to make sure that stuff does not happen. And the Chicago Bears did not do that. Let's move on to their draft here. Second round, uh, no first round pick. They traded it to get Justin Fields last year. They picked uh, Kyler Gordon corner out of Washington. They had a set. They had another second round pick where they took uh, uh, Jaquan Brisker safety out of Penn State. In the third round, they went Venus Jones Jr. wide receiver out of Tennessee. Fifth round, they took Braxton Jones offensive tackle out of Southern Utah as well as Dominique Robinson, an edge rusher out of uh, Miami of Ohio. In the sixth round, they made a run. Uh, they took two offensive linemen, Zach Thomas, a uh, guard out of San Diego State, and Doug Kramer, center out of Illinois, as well as a halfback, Tristan Ebner, out of Baylor. In the seventh round, they took Jatir Carter, a guard out of Southern University, Elijah Hicks, a safety out of Cal. And in the seventh round, they took Trent Gill, kicker out of North Carolina State. So, Mitch, how do you grade the Chicago Bears draft? Um, I'm going to give it a B-. minus. Uh there was a couple things that I do like from it. Uh, obviously, with what we just talked about, the offensive line, they went out and drafted four offensive linemen. Now, granted, none of them, are I think, are going to come in and win a starting job and help you right away. To me, they're all depth players, so that's kind of worrying. You kind of want someone to come in there and compete and maybe get a starting job and upgrade that offensive line as soon as possible, but you still got the depth. Um, but obviously, it, this all comes down to the first two picks in Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker. Um, I think they're really good picks. Um, obviously, like I said, the secondary was kind of lacking. And now you get uh, Kyler Gordon to team up with Jalen Johnson. Uh, the dude had 45 tackles, two picks, seven pass breakups, and a forced fumble. And quarterbacks uh, completed only 47% of their passes against him at Washington last year. Uh, so adding that, and then a guy like Jaquan Brisker, who was a playmaker at Penn State, you that now to a secondary, like I said, that already has uh, Jalen Johnson and hopefully Eddie Jackson can get back to what he used to be when he looked like he was a top 10 uh, safety in the league under Ibra Blues. And this defense is already uh, a lot better in the team overall. But otherwise, outside of those like two picks, it's kind of lackluster. Uh, the offense, our wide receiver was really addressed. Uh, they got Velvis Jones Jr., but I don't know how much of a contributor he can be. Um, he seems more of like a special teams kind of guy for me. Um, and then 
they only picked up one edge rusher towards the, like the middle of the draft and they only have basically an edge rusher who's competent is Robert Quinn, but the dude's like 33 years old and not much else after it. So um, I give it a B minus just because of how great I think Kyler Gordon, Jaquan Brister could be in the, the Iberflu system. I actually really like this draft, but I also give it a B because like there's a couple of reasons. Um, like there's really two reasons why I give it a B over like an A. Um, but like we, I agree with Mitch, the top two picks, Jaquan Brisker, Kyler Gordon, great picks, help shore off that. Yeah, just more young talent. Like Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker were thought of as almost first round picks. Um, like like borderline first round picks. Kyler Gordon, I believe, in our mock draft went in the first round. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like great pick up there, getting him 39th overall. Um, this is what happens when you have second round picks. Um, imagine what happens if you had a first. Uh, like great options. I actually really like the Braxton Jones pick. The guy had a 94 overall grade by PFF, getting played for Southern Utah. So like FCS school having to come play in a big one. But he has uh, he has a very very long wingspan, has a uh, good quickness off of the line. So like he has those physical traits that you look for in an NFL starting tackle. Um, I Dominique Robinson. I I honestly think that he was a steal for this uh he again did not play a lot um but he has a lot of he like he tested very very well on his pro day at the combine so very much kind of looking at like uh the uh trevon no yeah trevon walker no who's the first uh yeah 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 trayvon walker so has a lot of similar skill sets but has a lot less like wear and tear um and you get him for 174th overall so like can develop into a good player um uh uh, zachary thomas i like because he's versatile um again he's somebody that's going to have to and he's really good in the run game which is a uh bear staple um doug kramer again was on a good illinois offensive line uh jatir carter um uh, again like had a very good pass blocking but again is like like mitch said a lot of these guys like these later offensive line picks are not um like day one starters but a lot of them have the skill sets that can develop into very very good offensive linemen. um the reason that it's a b uh minus is because uh the velis the the wide receiver pick um i i didn't like it the velis jones pick uh one because if you were gonna go with a wide receiver you had Jaden tolbert out of uh South Alabama, which was a much better pick, um, which would have helped. Um, but I also don't think that you needed to go wide receiver there. Uh, Nicobe Dean and um, the defensive line, defensive lineman out of uh, UConn, who was considered one of the best. Travis Jones. Travis Jones, one of the best interior defensive linemen, who again went first round in our pick or in our draft, was still available at that point. He was, Either like, one of, fifth, he was like top fifteen in our draft. He went early too. He went top yeah. twenty. I top, top twenty at least. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'd have to I'd have to watch the video or or listen to it again. Um, so like like he was like he was available at 71. So like either one of those guys could have helped fill a need that you need. You need somebody that can play next to uh, Roquan Smith and Nicobe Dean fits the system. He's a coverage linebacker. He can really do anything. He's small size. You don't need that pass rushing linebacker because you already have that in Roquan Roquan Smith and they're both Jojo guys so they already have chemistry um the other one uh you needed like Brady said interior defensive lineman you needed it and having one of the best interior defensive linemen still on the board and you didn't get him but you got a special teams wide receiver um is is a little bit bad and then also drafting the punter last my problem isn't drafting a punter last it's that they picked like one of the worst punters like you could have picked a kicker all right Punter, kicker, does both. Um, it says I see punter on my. Oh, on, um, on the, the breakdown I have, it says Trenton Gill, kicker, North Carolina State. Yeah, no. So, like, either way, he yeah. wasn't the best available. You could have picked somebody else, or you could have just not picked a, a special teams player. Um, so that's where it goes from like a high B plus. Cause I really do like all these things. Cause again, what I'm thinking of what they need to do, they drafted four offensive linemen. That like that like it wasn't neat. We, they needed offensive linemen. I, I like what they did with offensive linemen in this draft much more than I what they did with offensive linemen in the free agency. Um, but I also they didn't address the interior defensive linemen. They got an edge rusher, but he's definitely not a first, day one starter. He's going to need to develop. Um, and the uh, 
no, I have to look at it again. Um, like, like that, that's part of it. Um, I didn't really like the running back pick. Um, but like, uh, the, the, uh, the sheer volume of offensive linemen you picked, uh, Kyle Gordon and Jacon Brisker are going to be great players for you. Like that, that keeps it a beat. Right. Um, Sorry, one moment here. All right, so Chicago didn't pick until 39 um, because they traded that first-round pick to move up um, and get Justin Fields. So here's, here's how you have to color this draft. Here's what you have to remember about this draft is that you have to grade it as if they did have a first-round pick because they did. It was just Justin Fields, but it's year two Justin Fields. It's what you're expecting to get out of year two Justin Fields. So they don't pick until 39 and uh, they take Kyler Gordon. All, all in all, I, I gave this draft a B. There are lots of things about this draft that I really like. I love the Chikawan, uh Brisker pick. I love the uh, Kyler Gordon pick. Um, here's what I don't love. I, I don't know if Kyler Gordon would have been available in the third round. I could tell you pretty certainly Jaquan Brisker would have been available in the third round. Um, if you're a team that is asking to wait a year, right? You want to wait. You want to. You want to hold off on the season. It'd be better next year. You've got a guy available five picks after you, still available at that point, who is a wide receiver. Might come back midway through the season. There, uh, Torres ACL in Alabama could have been the number one overall wide receiver. John Mechie, and you don't. You don't. You don't pull the move on there. So hey, you're obviously saying that this is a position of need. That cornerback number two is more important than, than future wide receiver, right? Um, and so I'm gonna take I'm gonna take these guys that I do believe are are gonna be better two or three years down the line, these developmental guys when I'm a better team. Meanwhile, you have the opportunity to take, in my mind, the best wide receiver when fully healthy in this draft, and you pass on it. Instead, you take that kid out of Tennessee, and I agree with Skyler. I don't I don't love it. Um, I don't love that pick. I think that he's a special teams player at best. Um, right now, they have him listed as the number three wide receiver. I've heard decent things about his camp, but he's an all-speed guy. Once he gets popped in the mouth, I don't like the way that he played in the Tech and in the, in the SEC. Um, I love the offensive line depth, but that's all it is. None of these guys are, are going to be a starter barring injury, and I don't really think I don't have a grade high enough on any of these guys um, for them to be a, a, a late-round gem steal, you know? Um, I will say that Dominic Robinson, I'll agree with Scott, Dominic Robinson pick, I think is an absolute steal. He's a developmental kid. He's got a lot of the things that you want out of an edge rusher. He can be very good. But I just, I can see the direction this team is going, but it doesn't make sense. This draft with their free agency doesn't make sense. You don't address the defensive line at all. You don't address it at all. Like Travis Jones is available. You don't, you don't address it at all, man. If their draft had been John Mechie and Travis Jones, I'd probably have put like a B plus on it. I probably still have a lot of things that I was upset about. Um, but in that situation, I again think Jaquan Brisker probably would have been available in the third round. That's my grade on him. A lot of people have a different. I don't really give a fuck. Um, it, I don't know. It, just, it, let, it leaves a lot to be desired, and it makes me just so damn confused as to what kind of football team the Bears are going to be fielding next year. I, you drafted a ton of offensive line depth, and I think all of those guys can play multiple positions, centers can play guard, guard can play tackle, tackle can play guard, so on and so forth, right? But none those guys are, are going to be a, a pull-the-fire alarm starts at best uh, throughout the season. Um, you don't really address the wide receiver room at all. You don't really add a ton of halfback depth. You go in the sixth round, but Tristan Ebner wasn't even the best halfback on Baylor. Um, it, I don't know. It's a B. I, like I'll give it a B. That's that's about as good as I can as I can give it there. Um, let's move on to their our season prediction for the Chicago Bears. They kick the season off at home against San Francisco before they travel to Green Bay in Week Two. They then come back home against the Texans before going to the Giants and the Vikings. Uh, they come back home for a game against the Commanders before going to New England uh, and Dallas on the road. They then got Miami and Detroit at home at Atlanta at the Jets home against Green Bay before a week 13 bye, uh, they come out of their bye with back-to-back -back home games against the Philadelphia Eagles and the Buffalo Bills. They go to Detroit and close the season at home against the Minnesota Vikings. So uh, six and 11 last year, first year for Matt Eberflew, second year for Justin Fields. Mitch, how do you have the Chicago Bears finishing in 2022? 
I think their ceiling is like seven and ten, but just because of how the roster is constructed, I think they're actually gonna be more like five and twelve. Um, I mean, there's a ton of games they can absolutely win. Uh, like you said, they play the Texans, the Giants, uh, you know, the Jets, the Lions twice a year, the Falcons. Um, but there's like some of those like in betweeners, like they could, but just how they're constructed, like the Commanders, they could beat them. But I'm betting that this offensive line can hold up to Deron Payne, Montez Sweat, and Chase Young. There's no way. And then the Dolphins, they're an okay team, but how are this is a better secondary, but I don't know how they're going to do against like Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, and Cedric Wilson. Um, so there's still a lot of questions, but there's a ton of winnable games. But just because of them not taking the opportunity, like we said, there's still suspect offensive line. The wide receiver room has to prove itself. Can Cole Komet take uh, that next step and be relevant? Um, and I think it's going to take a while, a little bit for the defense to gel back to what we know for the Bears to produce as a defense. So I think they're going to do 5-12. and 12. So I see their ceiling as like 8-9. and nine. Like, honestly, like, and this is like Justin Fields plays as great as he possibly can. Um they're Equinomia St. Brown and these guys, uh, Brian Pringle, those guys like play amazingly. Their offensive line keeps it under 60 sacks, under 50 sacks. Um, then the offense actually looks like it's doing something and not just like a scramble play that works. Um, I, I, I ended up going like, I ended up going like right around seven and 10 and, and it was, it was really because I like looked at like they should beat the Texans at home, they should beat the Giants, and then there's that like four game stretch of Miami, Detroit, Falcons, Jets, where you could win three, maybe four of those games, because of how I still don't really like Miami's defense. Um, so like you could win those games and that could push you up to seven and 10. Uh, and then you might be able to steal a game against Detroit. Like you could, you could sweep Detroit. You could steal a game against Chicago or Minnesota. You've done it in the past. Um, but like, yeah, I, I, I think seven and 10 is probably where they're going to end up. I, I like the direction that their defense is going. I like the direction that their offense is going subpar. Like, like both. I like the directions, like the skill players and the the defensive backfield and those things are good. it's just the lines and the lines are and like Brady said the lines are the two most they're the foundations of both of your uh both sides of the ball um and so when you don't have a good foundation um and you're kind of still in that same you're you're in the reverse side of what you were before you had a very aging defensive and offensive line and now you have really young defensive and offensive lines with like one good veteran on each side. And so it's very unpredictable. We don't know what we're going to see. And so you kind of have to revert, revert back to the norm, which is that they're not going to play good because that's what we saw from them last season. Because again, this defense was the Chicago bears defense was best when they had a Keem Hicks on the, on, on the def, on the defensive side, who's going to be step up and play that Akeem Hicks role. Probably not. Cause Darren, uh, Eber, Matt Eberflus doesn't have a, uh, that that's not what his system relies on too. So I, I don't know what this defense is going to look like based off of what they had. I don't know what this offense is going to look like. So I just have to look at the roster, think of what they can do. Seven and 10 is where I'm going, maybe eight and nine. Their schedule helps them just a little bit. Um, I, I have the bears going six and 11. Um, Mitch, remind me again, their bears offensive coordinator was the Packers QB coach. Yeah. It's uh Getsy. Luke Getsy. Um, I'm excited to see what Luke Getzey does with this offense. Um, I think Luke Getzey is going to do something that the bears haven't had in a couple of years. And that's like actually run the fucking ball, be committed to it. Um, because if there's one thing that a bad offensive line can still do semi-effectively, it's run the ball. And we've seen that out of the Chicago bears these last couple of seasons, right? When they just bullied down and gave David Montgomery his carries, he's a highly effective halfback. Um, and I think that that new offense is good enough to win them a couple of games, a couple. Um, I do think Cole Komet is going to have a, a, a solid year too. Um, I, I was very high on that pick when they drafted him. 
Um, I thought that they played Jimmy Graham way too much. And part of it was just because they were paying him uh, that much money. So I get it, but I'm excited for Cole Komet. Um, Six and 11. I think they start the year own too. Um, but for me, it's, it's these 50, 50 games where the deciding factor is Houston, the giants, Miami, the Falcons, the jets, and then uh, for sure your division games against Detroit, possibly your division games against Green Bay. I think they're good enough to win quite a few of those. Um, they should be good enough to beat Atlanta. They should be good enough to beat uh, Detroit at least once. Um, they should be good enough to beat Houston and uh, the Giants. But you want to know what a lot of those teams did this offseason that the Chicago Bears didn't? Um, seriously address their offensive line. Um, and so not having trenches, not having that foundation that Skyler was just talking about there, offensively or defensively, really leads me to believe that against a lot of these teams that I don't think have great pass rushers, they're going to have a lot more success. Um, I don't think New England is going to have a fantastic pass rush next year, but I think they're going to have a great amount of success against the Chicago Bears uh, uh, offensive line. I think because of that, they win that game against New England. That game should be a 50-50 game. Like, it should be a 50-50 game. It's not going to be. Um, yeah, 6-11 and 11 is, is as good as, as I can put them. I think they beat the Giants. I think they beat Houston. I think they probably split the series against Detroit. And then three competitive wins after that, right? Against whoever, you know, the Jets is a winnable game. The Falcons is a winnable game. Philadelphia could be a winnable game. Uh, but against all those other games where I expect them to lose, I think they'll probably pull out about three of them. So I got them at 6-11. and 11. Not really any improvement, but hopefully we're just looking at a different team that year, a team that we can actually maybe hang a hat on, like something to root for. But I don't see that right now with the Chicago Bears. Uh, so, gentlemen, any bold predictions for the Chicago Bears 2022 season? Yes. Uh, I think by the end of the season, Khalil Herbert will be the lead back. Ooh. Rationale? Uh, yeah, I – I really liked the carries that he did get last year. I thought he really added something to it, and I think he has a lot of potential. Um, and if he had the same amount of carries uh, as, like, David Montgomery last year did, I think uh, just based off of he would still be effective. But, like, he would have uh, a little bit more or equal to production as David Montgomery. And, you know, with running backs, you know, the older you get, you know, you don't have a, a long shelf life. So with Khalil Herbert only being like a second year guy, um, I think he can really show up this year and be the lead back by the end of the season. I can dig it. Scott? Uh, I'll say that uh, Justin Fields throws for uh, at least 3,500 yards. I'll say I'll say that I think that the increase at wide receivers and like you said they're more speedsters so having a Brian Pringle having an EQ um, Daryl Mooney already his work with him um, I think that he bumps that up because the guy only threw for a thousand yards last year um, but I think that he I think that like his threat as both a, as a as a runner and then his arm that he has as a passer um, definitely allow him to throw for a lot of yards he he he, he in my opinion he I have to think of the quarterbacks now in the NFC. Like, okay, he could be getting up there with Aaron Rodgers and competing for yards. Not not touchdowns. Oh, okay. All right. I was like, I was like, oh, no. okay. In yard? Okay. In All yards. Right. Not touchdowns sure. or yeah. So like up there with yards. Like he could he could he could be up there with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he definitely will throw for more yards than uh Kirk Cousins and uh Jared Goff. For, for Jared Goff, sorry. Yeah. So, um, but I think, I think, I think it'll be very much like a Matthew Stafford kind of esque throws for a shit ton of yards kind of. And so it balances out, um, especially having uh, the green Bay QB uh, coming down, uh, QB coach coming down. I'm hoping. I don't know if they'll have more yards than Kirk Cousins. I think past, good. Two, past two years, Kirk Cousins has had over 4,000 yards. You don't know. Um, mine okay. is that Justin Fields doesn't play all 17 games this next year. <laughs> I don't see him getting out of the season completely healthy. Um, yeah, I just I, I don't I don't see it happening. Given some of the defenses that they play, um, given how how porous I think the offensive line is um, already, I, if the offensive line feels like a house of cards, if one guy goes down with injury, the whole thing is going to fall apart. 
Um, and, and that's going to severely, severely uh, hamper Justin Fields. Yeah, I think, I, think he, I think he gets hurt. I don't think he plays all 17 games. I'll even go out on more of a whim, and I'll say that Justin Fields only plays 13 games next season. Um, yeah, start the Nathan Peterman era. Absolutely. absolutely. Well, no, Trevor Simeon, I think, is quarterback number two, technically. Um, but that is our episode. We appreciate everybody for tuning in. Uh, gentlemen, who do we have next on the team previews? Atlanta. Atlanta's favorite team. Do we want to do hero on putts or no? Uh, I don't have one for today. I don't today. have any. Yeah. We could, all right, I mean, so we all know who the putts is. Yeah. Oh, I do want to give a, cute, uh, a, quick, a quick hero to, yeah, Mark, to Mark Cuban. Uh, owner of the Dallas Mavericks. Um, he set up uh, a website called Drugs uh, Plus Cost, um, which helps sell uh, prescription drugs at cost just with just a little bit more for shipping. Um, it's absolutely amazing. It's that you can't, they, they can't use insurance because then it drives cost up. Um, but you can get uh, the, most prescription drugs are now available. Uh, like that you would need um for people if you have outrageous drug costs that you have to pay for your prescriptions i consider giving it a word uh, a look because they can't advertise because then again prices would go up um but like one person that i saw on twitter i was able to get a drug uh and it um a seizure drug that usually costs them 900 dollars for 31 bucks so it's very, very helpful. Uh, very, very good. It's exactly what billionaires and people with money should be doing with their wealth is giving back to the community and helping it and helping them out. Yeah, absolutely. Just lowered costs even more because of inflation. To help yeah. people even more. So if you guys go ahead and do that, you buy enough of them that maybe you can get that hole in the uh, arena fixed. Um, so, so yeah, we, we really support Mark Cuban here on the show. Um, uh, one last thing. Yeah, go ahead. One last thing. You know, we just, it's a tough time uh, out there right now. We just want everybody to be safe. Um, uh, be kind, be understanding, um, and vote. Please, dear God, vote. Uh, that's our episode. Uh, follow us on everything. Uh, Twitter, Spotify, email us your guys' thoughts, fourthstringsp at gmail.com. That is F-O-U-R-T-H string S-P at gmail.com. Um, and we will uh, talk about them on air here. We appreciate you for tuning in. Have a fantastic night.